This morning, we are looking in the Old Testament in the book by the prophet Jeremiah. I'll be in chapter 8, verse 18, going through chapter 9, verse 1. And don't let this fool you. If you don't know, this is just a few verses, so this isn't a very long passage. Jeremiah 8, 18 through 9, 1. Hear these words now. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone. The people cry, yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for my people who have been slaughtered. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for letting us be in your house. Lord, we ask you to dwell among us, to sit with us this morning, to minister to us and to help us to learn from this timeless word of yours, from your prophet. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts Be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, our rock and redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, for reasons that I can only say are biological or or chemical or, or something, our brains are kind of wired weirdly, I would say. Because we tend to dwell on the bad things. We remember the bad things much more strongly than the good things. And and studies have shown that for whatever reason that negative memories are much more powerful than positive ones. As most of you know, I'm a sports official. I referee football and also umpire baseball for high schools. And let's say the crew that I'm on for a Friday night football game. Let's say we go out on the field and and we make every call correct. Everything goes well. We just call it straight down the line and, and then that moment happens when something isn't done quite right. One of us gets a call wrong or misses a call or we misapply a rule or, or, or something. Now everything before that point and everything after that point could be perfectly fine. But that one moment where we might have made a mistake is going to be the one that everybody talks about until Jesus comes back. Do I even need to mention the Saints football playoff game last year? Or is it too soon? Everything was pretty good about that game until that one moment. And that's what we talk about the most when it comes to that game. But that's just the way we're wired. 
We remember everything about these negative events in great detail. I can tell you exactly where I was and what I was doing when I found out about 9-11, what was going on that day. I remember where I was on the day that the Sandy Hook uh, shooting took place. I remember what I was wearing when I heard about Hurricane Katrina devastating the coast and heading up this way and doing a lot of damage. And I remember exactly where I was and even what I was wearing when these more personal, I guess smaller scale, to most people, tragedies occurred in my life. And those things are burned in my memory, those, those negative events, it's just burned into my memory. Now don't get me wrong, like you, I, I have a lot of positive memories about life, but it's the negative ones that often tend to stand out for some reason. I remember the grief, the sadness, the, the helpless feelings that often accompanied these events. Again, it's, it's, it's just how we're wired as human beings. It's how God made us for better or for worse. But every one of us has these events. I can pretty much guarantee that everybody in this room remembers where they were when they first heard what was happening in New York at the Twin Towers. And on and on. There are events that we can even remember the smells of, of what we were seeing and smelling and experiencing at that time. Every single one of us have at least one of these events in our lives. But you know, when I talk to people of faith about, about tragic events, both those that are large scale and those that are more personal, you know, there's one common theme that tends to come up, and, and yes, even among people of faith. The question is often, how could God allow this to happen? Where was God when the planes hit the Twin Towers? Where was God when Hurricane Katrina hit Gulfport, New Orleans, and, and all points even north of there? Did a lot of damage around here, as, as I'm sure most of us recall. Well, the truth is, is that even if we didn't realize it in the moment, God was right there. God was right there in the midst. And something else about God, too, he wasn't just there. He was weeping. He was crying. He was upset by what was going on. Mourning right along with you. Trying to comfort you as best as he could or as much as you would allow him to. He was there. Now, we can all go back to the very beginning and, and we can ask, well, how are these things possible? Well, we go back to the Garden of Eden. Read about sin entering the world through the choices that, that Adam and Eve made and thus rendered us into the fallible, sinful creatures that we are today. You better believe when that occurred, God wept. Because God weeps for and with his people. And he does it because he loves us that much. And weeping is exactly where, what we find God doing in this passage here from Jeremiah. And, and the reason that he is weeping is because of his people's decisions to sin. They've not turned away from their idols. They've not gone back toward God. And ver the second part of verse 19 says this pretty plainly. Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols 
and their worthless foreign gods. And as the prophet records, this is God asking that question. There's a lot of debate about this passage, about at various times who was saying what, who was, who was the one weeping, who was the one saying this and that. And depending on what commentary or what scholar you look at, you might get a different answer. Well, here's what I pose, and some scholars agree with this. What I pose about that is that it's both. Was it Jeremiah or was it God? The answer is yes. The prophet, who was the mouthpiece of God, proclaiming God's message to the Israelites, what he's seeing unfold before him is that his message that he has been giving to the people that came from God has been unheeded. The people haven't yielded to the teaching that he's been trying to give them, the call to repentance. Now the people up at this point and what you see in the, in the parts of Jeremiah previous to this are that the people were saying, yes, yes, we want to repent. Yes, we want to turn away from idols. Yes, we want to be God's people. But then they chose not to. They chose to not go back to God. They chose to not give up their idols. They chose to cling to those things. And the consequences of those sins were coming home to roost. And so Jeremiah's people were suffering because of their sin. And therefore Jeremiah was weeping for his brothers and his sisters. But likewise, God is weeping too. God is weeping at seeing his people that he loves so much. Seeing them not turn away from their idols and turn toward him. And see, that's what God's love for us means, is he loves us so much that his desire and his will is for all people to turn back towards him. To worship and love him as much as he loves, loves us and adores us. But both then and now, the choices of the people were anything but to turn toward God. Again, they didn't want to give up their idols. They, didn't wanna, they just wanted to cling to those things instead of God. They wanted to cling to those meaningless symbols of animals and, and whatever else. Thinking they could give them some kind of consolation. Thinking they could give them some kind of power. Instead of turning toward the Lord God. They turned their back on him and didn't love him back. They loved their, their pieces of wood. And so God wept. You know, isn't it amazing how scriptures that were written a few thousand years ago, like Jeremiah was, speaking, of course, to events at that time, but also speak to events now. Because how often do we as a people, as a society... How much have we clung to our idols? How much have we clung to our sins willingly? Simply because for whatever reason, we don't want to give them up. And that causes God to weep. We'll just look at a couple in particular as examples. Greed. How often are people harmed by greed? As most of you know, I, Jessica and I lived in Kentucky, in eastern Kentucky, while I was in seminary. Right in the middle of coal country. 
an area decimated from poverty because most of the coal companies have left and, and gone away. And as a matter of fact, even this morning I read an article um, where a, um, a coal mining union executive had even said that coal mining is gone and it's not coming back. Even though it was promised that it would, he, he says it's just not happening and not going to happen. So coal miners are left without jobs, are left in poverty. Very recently, there was a coal company that shut down and, and either wouldn't or couldn't pay their employees. So these people that had worked hard gaining diseases like black lung were left without a way to support their families and weren't paid the money they were owed for work they had done. But even the water, the Red River... And we lived in Powell County, Kentucky, and the Red River is the primary water source for the people of Powell County. That's where the, the two cities that are there, that's where they get their water. The, most of the communities there, they get the water and treat it from the Red River. The Red River is also where a lot of coal mining companies have dumped their runoff. So the Red River is heavily polluted. And Powell County, Kentucky, as small as it is, and it's pretty small, per capita, it's in the top five in cancer rates in the entire country. And they believe it's largely because of the coal runoff that's gone into the Red River, and people have drank it. We see modern-day slavery even where employers either underpay their employees, they make them work for free even. There are companies that knowingly and willingly make dangerous products and keep them on the market. Um, one, of the, one example just recently that we've probably seen on TV are the commercials for lawsuits against a company that made faulty uh, ear protection for the military. And a lot of our soldiers have had to endure hearing loss simply because this company knew they were making a bad product and didn't want to spend the money to fix it. Instead, they ripped us off through our tax money. All because of greed. And I could go on and on about just greed. But I'll move on. Here's another example of, of how we're, we hurt people. We hurt ourselves and we hurt one another. How about the need to be right? Not putting aside our egos and just having to be right. To be correct, maybe I should say, would be the proper way to say it. Maybe you've heard or maybe even you've said something along these lines. You know, it's my right to say that even if it upsets somebody. I don't care. That's their problem. Or people being shouted down because they disagree with someone. If you disagree with me, and this is probably the worst one, saying if you disagree with me, then you are my enemy. We have a lot of that going on, especially now. I think this is the most polarized I have ever seen society. If you're not completely with me, then you're completely against me. And this kind of mentality has ripped apart families. It's ended lifelong friendships. And it's even torn churches apart because of a disagreement on something that honestly at the end of the day really doesn't amount to much of anything at all. We've seen it so many times throughout our lives. And, and again, I could go on and on. I could be here all day giving examples of how 
God weeps when we hurt one another or we give in to our sin when we hold on to our pride or when we hold on to our idols. My friends, God weeps at these and so many other things. God weeps every time a loved one unexpectedly dies. God weeps every time a hurricane comes and decimates an island or decimates an entire city or even an entire state. God weeps every time a war breaks out. God weeps every time a mass shooting happens or a child has to die because of somebody else's choice. God is there and he weeps. And the sad thing is, is that at least collectively, to a large degree, it's our fault. We could have chosen a different path. Now, I'm not talking about the weather. A hurricane just happens. <laughs> I got to be honest, one of the craziest things I hear every time there's a hurricane or some kind of storm is that it's God's judgment for insert sin here. My friends, I'm going to tell you, that's a load of baloney. Because God doesn't send a hurricane to punish people. That's just not what happens. So weather is not caused by our sin. Maybe she disagreed with me. Oh, okay. All right. Glad that wasn't the case, but anyway. But you know, even, even it, that's a perfect example. Seriously. When a child weeps or when a child cries because they've hit their head, God weeps with them. Seriously. God doesn't want us to experience these things. He knows we have to. And again, it's our fault a lot of the time. That wasn't. That, just, that was an accident that happened. But God is still in the midst of that, and God is crying right along with Kaylin and trying to provide her comfort. And that's what happens when we sin. God weeps at our sin. God weeps at our choices. And again, weather just happens. But what about that choice to be greedy? What about the choice to commit an act of violence? What about making a choice to say something without regard to another person that will harm a relationship or possibly even tear apart a church just because of a difference of opinion? Those are the kind of things that we can turn away from. We can let go of our idols, whatever those may be for us. Because remember, anything can be an idol. Even this cross that I, that I hold when I preach, it's a symbol of our faith. But the thing about it is, is that if for me, I could turn this into an idol. I could turn this into an object that I, that I worship. So you could even make an idol out of a piece of wood that looks like a cross. If you chose to bow down and worship this piece of wood rather than the one who hung on a cross and died for our sins. Because obviously there's a big difference. We can turn away from those things. And the best news of all is that there is a way to do it. Verse 22 says this, Is there no medicine or balm 
maybe your translation says, is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Now, I believe this was one of those rhetorical questions. Because God had a plan. God himself provided the balm of Gilead. God himself provided the physician. And my friends, as if I didn't have to tell you, I will. His name is Jesus Christ. God provided the medicine, the cure. But just like the ancient Jews, even though there is a way to be healed and a way to be restored, just like the ancient Jews, we turn away. And God continues to weep because we continue to cling to our idols. And maybe what's worse than that is the fact that we do it while having the nerve to claim to be God's people. My friends, we need to apply the balm. We need to take the medicine. We need to follow the physician's orders and we need to turn away from our sins and turn toward God. Not just say we are, not just pretend that we are, but to actually do it. We need to actually be God's people. Because maybe when I prayed earlier, you noticed that I asked God to use us in his healing work if he could. And more often than not, that's exactly what God does. He uses his people to do his work. How often does that happen? Constantly. So at the end of the day, we have to make ourselves available to shine light into a world of darkness. Now I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to seriously think about this for a moment. Earlier in the service, when we took time to confess, remember when I told you to just go before God and confess your sins and leave them at his cross? Did you actually go into a confession and seek forgiveness of your sins and repentance? Or were you just following along because it was part of the order of worship? Something, something I asked you to do. Were you just going through the motions? Have you ever truly let go of your idols? Have you ever truly allowed yourself to be a child of God? My friends, I have good news for you. If you haven't, it's never too late. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It's never too late. As long as you have breath in your lungs and as long as you're walking this earth, it is not too late. God is not done with you yet. So it's never too late to let go of those idols, to let go of those sins, and to turn towards God. And to do everything you can through his help. I want to be clear, there is nothing of our own power we can do to save ourselves from our sins. But if we allow God to cleanse us, and we allow God to sanctify us, to turn us into the people that he wants us to be, well then, my friends, I can promise you it's going to be that much less that God weeps on your account. And if he weeps, it's going to be out of happiness saying, there is my child. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because God loves you that much.
I'm going to say it again. God loves you that much. You are a beloved child to him. Even if you're over 35. You are his beloved child. You are his beloved son or daughter. Never forget that. So allow God to apply the balm, to apply the medicine to your soul and bring you restoration and healing. And then maybe even better than that, take that balm to other people. Show them what God can do for them. Show them that God wants them to be whole. Be a shining example of what makes God smile. And it's all out of his love for you and for me. Brothers and sisters, I offer this to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.